Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Well, she's been on the show before, uh, Marjorie Wildcraft of the Grow Network, and she's coming back with some even more exciting news, hopefully uh, in addition to updating us on whether or not there's an improvement in the food shortage that we talked about last time. And I kind of want to start there, Marjorie. First of all, congrats on the early success of your new book, The Grow System. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, super stoked about that. Penguin Random House. It's big. It's coming out. We're excited. <laughs> well, it, it definitely is breaking in the mainstream, which I know was a goal you wanted to have from the very get-go of, of your project here. But I did want to get back to the food shortage update. We're, we're here into this pandemic, and have you been following, have you been seeing any improvements to the shortage um, that maybe the mainstream isn't covering? Well, you know, the... the there's, it's really gotten actually worse. So um don't know if most people don't follow, but there's definitely uh, prices of the real basics like corn, wheat, and soy have gone up in most cases by at least 30%. Um, and, uh, you know, your tortillas that you buy, actually the cost of the corn that's in it is pretty negligible. But where that's going to start to hit more is going to be in animal products, wheat, dairy, because they use that corn wheat and soy to feed, you know, livestock. So I think you can expect um, meat, eggs, and dairy to increase at least 30, if not 50%, uh, in the coming months, uh, if not over the year. Um, also, you know, I mean, Alex, I, you know, I don't go to the grocery store that often, but when I'm there, I'm noticing, like, they've got, like, a couple of cans pushed at front, and then there's not much in the back. So there's definitely some problems with inventory. Um oh. And we're, we're seeing, I mean, I, I, you know, the Grow Network is, in the grand scheme of things, a pretty small business. And we have a store, you know, we sell kits for how to make you know, herbal medicine or, you know, things like that, you know, just small items. We have not, we wanted to sell the herbs in jars because that's our value, specifically mason jars, because we wanted to have it be something that's reusable and has multi-purpose. So, you know, not really into throwing out, you know, stuff. We haven't been able to buy any mason jars in quantity since last July. And the price of mason jars, if you can find some just for you as a homesteader, has gone up by about 300 or 400%. It used to be about $12 for a case, a dozen. And now it's, it's, it's uh, you know, 38 to, to, to almost $50 a case for mason jars, right? So we're 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 having problems. Even we said, okay, well, let's switch over to you know plastic bags and to put these herbs in, which is not our preference. We really like it to you know be in glass. And, um, we're having a hard time getting even plastic bags. So um, you know, there's there there are some real supply chain problems that are, are happening. I'm sure you've seen some of the amazing footage of that tanker that was stuck. Yeah, I want to ask about that because. When you say supply chain, I think, well, a year ago it was the pandemic. Now, unfortunately, a year later, it's the aftermath of this tanker in the Suez Canal. So what are you seeing from that? Well, that is, you know, somewhat of a temporary thing, but it will have long-term consequences just, you know, when you stop a basically about 250 to $300 billion worth of trade items from moving for a week. You know, that's going to affect supply chains. 
There's other supply chains that are having problems, like I don't know if the chip manufacturers are having a hard time manufacturing chips, which is actually shutting down automobile plants because they can't, you know. Yeah, that's all that Yeah, right. And Texas, having that free cold storm and being shut down in, in various parts of the rolling brownouts, blackouts, uh, you know, that's going to really hit uh, agricultural products substantially. Uh, cattle, uh, you know, quite a few of them died. Uh, same with pigs, whether maimed or whatever, just, you know, frozen. Uh, other, there's been other freak stuff that's not good. For example, there's a small uh, community farming community in Colorado that I, I have a, a home in, and um, they got hit with a really freak freeze. And it killed all of the fruit production, which is going to set back their fruit trees for a good, they're estimating a good two years before they're going to be back in there producing fruit because those trees have to regrow. So, so they, they're, they're, they're talking about, yeah, yeah. We, go ahead. We have a deep freeze on, on this podcast from a, you know, electrical grid and how the state responded type of thing. So you're talking about an, in an effective, the agricultural, uh, to be honest, I didn't think of that because this was something that, you know, I want to make sure the welfare of the, the human beings, but, but agricultural welfare does matter with all of these decreases, doesn't it? it? It sure does. You know, Texas is still a significant cattle production state and also a big agricultural state, especially in, you know, the middle part and, and uh, West Texas. They grow a lot of, uh, uh, let's see, cotton and different different other food crops. I'm, I'm trying to think of what some of the, the top ones are, but... Agricultural production was definitely set back, you know. Everything froze, can't get water to the livestock, they're freezing. You know, what are they going to do with them? You know, they tried to get them in a barn, keep them warm, but they lost a bunch. Oh. So, um, and then of course, you know, the crops that were seeded aren't going to come out. We're really in a, in a, in a hard place. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, it's not looking good. The really good thing about though is that you can grow, you know, I, I show people how to grow half of their own food in a backyard size space. And to be honest with you, you should have been doing that a long time anyway, because a lot of the food that the commercial system produces is not really that healthy. <laughs> well, let me ask you, because obviously you, you have a place in this fight and you might, the store might be having some issues here and there, but ultimately I know that you're you're pushing through on this, and I know the book has been a success. But but talk about how the Grow Network can help you stand out and literally withstand whatever deep freeze is, whatever tanker you know blockage, whatever we're being thrown at us. You guys are able to help us withstand it. Tell us your secrets. <laughs> yes, so the the Grow book is is, and I, I'll tell you, Alex, some of the back backstory of it is. Um, uh, uh, this is a really fun story. So my publisher, my, my literary agent said, I said, hey, this book's going to be a New York Times bestseller. And she said, no, Marjorie, she's rolling her eyes. You know, like every author says that. I said, no, no, um, there's going to be economic collapse. There's going to be people, like, losing their jobs. There's going to be major transformation on the planet. And people are really going to be fundamentally questioning what you know, wealth and, and well-being and health, and, and and this book has solutions for all of that, and it's stuff that people can do. It's, it's something simple and fairly easy and straightforward and empowering. You know, when you're dealing with such traumatic change, you want something tangible that you can do that's beneficial, and this this book has that. And she goes, no, no, you know, whatever. So anyway, 
I waited my time until I knew it was right, and I got her proposal in uh, January 2020. And by April, we had 18 publishers bid on the book, and at least five of them said, this book is going to be a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, and, you know, it's not rocket science. I've been seeing it this week come for a long time. Um, and the book has, has three parts, and one, it talks about what wealth really is. And wealth, people thinking about money and stocks and bonds and houses, but wealth is really your health. Mm. You know, I mean, what good is it to have a bunch of money if you're tied to an IV or you have to carry an oxygen tank everywhere? I mean, really, your health is your greatest asset. It's way more important than money. Your family is your next greatest asset. Um, how, you know, having family members that care for you and that love you in a way that nobody else will. Community, doing meaningful work, and living a life of purpose, these are all forms of wealth. And you know what? You can do all of that. You can grow all of that in, in your backyard or, or just on a small plot or even on a balcony. All of those things can be grown and improved that way. So the first part of the book talks about wealth and shifting the definition of wealth away from this classical definition to expanding it. The second part of the book goes into how to grow half of your own food, a simple three-part system in a backyard-sized space and with gardening, a little flock of chickens, and a little lavatory at home. And really, and I go through the, the calories it can generate and the time it's going to take. It's really pretty simple plans for how to build the creep and the hutch and everything, and then everything's in there. And then the third part of the book is about um, home medicine. So many people are very different in the medical system, and rightly so. And so we show you the seven stages to become um, a medicine man or a medicine woman, the eight preparations that you're going to want to know how to do and how to do them, and then um, you know the dozen most how to treat and take care of the dozen most common ailments that come up in a family. So that's the book, uh, and it's really practical DIY as well as Dealing with the Grow Network actually had a boom during the pandemic. Obviously, literally everybody is at home. So how did you guys, you know, get out there and force for people to be able to do, you know, to provide options for them while they're home in quarantine? I mean, it's a nice distraction to know that, yeah, you can plant your own food. It's more than just the food. It's about the ritual of it now, isn't it? Because we're all looking for different ways to take our mind off being locked in. Well, what a perfect way to take your mind off it than actually growing your own food. Yeah. It, like I said, it's something tangible and real and significant and empowering that you can do. So last year, uh, 20, new, 20 million new uh, you know, growers began to start doing backyard farming in America. And the normal number is around 43 million or so. So 50% more people began to grow food in their backyard. And in another survey, they said they're definitely going to be doing it in 2021, too. So we have seen a lot. So we have, you know, we have blog posts and we have newsletters. And then we have a really active forum areas where our experienced homesteaders are helping new people. Don't on it. How often do you collect those eggs or, you know, is this edible? <laughs> what do I do about those bugs? You know, all those kind of questions come up in the forums. And we're super happy to be able to you know, serve in that way. So um, we have seen uh, a, a real big uptick, and we're excited about it because really the overlying mission of the Grow Network is to stop the destruction of the earth. And um, commercial agriculture is hugely destructive. It, it applies toxic chemicals. It, you know, we have those gigantic waste 
areas in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico from the agricultural toxins. They use up so much water, so much groundwater, um, fossil fuels. It, it's hugely destructive. And you and your backyard are so much more productive and healthy and you can use so much better food. No, it is. And, 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 you know, it's just not only that, it's, it's knowing that there's an option there. I, I've got to ask you, because it is International Women's Month, and I want to know, do you feel like you're, you're maybe not a pioneer, but you're certainly leading the front to maybe for female farming, so to speak? I don't know. It's, just, it's an interesting concept that you guys are, are pushing forward, and so you feel like this is um, revolutionary what you're doing, Marjorie. Yeah, I do. I do feel it's very revolutionary. And the GROW Network is actually the, the largest organization on earth that, that's doing this. And, um, you know, that's intentional. That's at least 11 years of work. <laughs> I've been doing it. You know, I've been at it really more, almost two decades. And the company was officially formed about 11 years ago. And um, But we're really passionate about it. I think uh, it does. Uh, we're seeing a lot more men and especially younger millennials starting to join uh, the community as they're starting to see what's going on in the world and going, hey, this might be a better way. Uh, historically, actually, our community was mostly women and older women, uh, women that had you know, fam- had raised families and children and really understood the value of nutrition and understood the value of these skills and wanted to, to have them, you know, they want to live this lifestyle and want to have these skills preserved and passed on into their families. So, but we are seeing a big shift. Uh, towards younger people. You know, Alex, like, so I'm kind of the tail end of the baby boomers, right? So the baby boomers, you know, when they were in their 30s and their 40s, they were like, hey, where's the cheapest Budweiser? We can go get a six-pack or a case, right? You know, people in their 30s and 40s now are dealing with, you know, cystic fibrosis and asthma and diabetes and and all these diseases. And and this younger generation is getting it, that it's the food supply, it's, the toxins, it's the, you know, we're, we're in a different world now, and they, they, they have a much greater priority on health uh, than, than some of the older generations. Sure. Have. You know, yeah. I don't know if you want to get political, but does policy play a role into all of this? Because right now we're still feeling, you know, I don't know, personally I don't feel like the immunity is being taken into consideration when we're asked to sort of mask up even outdoors. And you don't have to comment on that because I don't want to get into trouble, but... Does policy play a role in our immunity and to even being able to grow what we should be able to grow in our backyards? You know, that's a really complex uh, question. The way we are now, absolutely, because there's so much bond subsidies and there's so much interest in the commercial food supply and then the, you know, the oil and gas industry asking the people, to grow, the, the farmers to grow corn so they can turn it into ethanol, which yeah. doesn't make any sense at all. You know, and then and then clearly, the food pyramid is totally based on carbohydrates and grains, which are easily mechanized, and that's actually not necessarily a healthy human diet. And the nutritional requirements are just paltry compared to what you really need to be healthy. So clearly, there's been political motives and, and manipulation and control in this whole thing. Um, and again, I I like to say, you know. Really, the saving grace in this incredible situation is once you start to look at it and go, wait a minute, that's not really healthy for me, is that you can still source it directly from the earth. You don't need 
a multinational military industrial governmental complex to feed you. <laughs> you can go in your backyard or you could you know, get a garden plot, you can raise some chickens. There's lots of ways to do it, and you can actually still feed yourself directly from the earth and, you know, provide your own medicine. So um, I am so grateful every day. One classic thing, you know, about antibiotic resistance, right? So more and more of our antibiotics aren't working because, you know, they're getting overwhelmed by the, the bacteria getting smarter and, and figuring out how to outmaneuver them, right? Well... The old traditional medicines like poulticing or garlic or you know, just dozens and dozens of herbs are still very, very, very effective. Uh, it's a different form of medicine and it takes a little more time, but the saving grace is they are still effective, right? <laughs> you know, they don't get antibiotic resistance the way that the, the pharmaceuticals do, and they don't have, you know, incredible side effects like liver toxicity and things like that. So. Well, yeah, I was, yeah. The, um, but as far as animals and feeding, the whole GMO thing is really taking off, too. Like, people are worried about that. Uh, how can people avoid those type of things? And, and uh, I, I don't know. I know people are afraid of the GMO, but, is there, you know, you guys work away from that. So any alternatives you can offer for the audience that wants to farm but not use GMO, if that makes sense? Yeah, well, that absolutely makes total sense to me. I mean, we're... We're like that whole genetic modifying thing was a huge experiment that's gone wrong, right? There's countless um, medical research that shows that GMOs are, are really not at all healthy for you. And in fact, the average American meal, which is loaded with medically modified food, is illegal in a lot of other countries that are outlawing, that are outlawing uh, genetically modified crops. So uh, I am really not an advocate of GMOs. And that, that's the other great thing about growing your own as you know exactly what you're getting, right? You you, you can grow it at home and and uh, you know, quite frankly though, if you're eating from the grocery stores or the restaurants, there is no nutrition in that There's so little nutrition, it's not really doing you any good at all. And in order to get that nutrition you need really need to grow it yourself. So um, um, and there's so many wonderful and delicious varieties of heirlooms, both in plants and in, in uh, animal species. That um, um, you know, again, fortunately, we still have that available. You know, it's interesting. Uh, as some about growing and and the grow network, I feel like this book is an effort to truly grow this even more, right? So this is a a perfect way to grow it. And how have the results been? I'm very curious. Yeah, well, we've we've had a huge response already for, from pre-sales. So the book's coming out on May 11th, and um, people are already buying the book in, in pre-sale, so if you head over to MarjorieWildcraft.com, <laughs> it'll be there, and it's Marjorie with a Y. But, um, yeah, we've been, the publisher, we were just on a call today with them, and they're, we're lining up all this media, the big television shows and things, and uh, they're like, um, wow, we can't believe how many books have sold. And I'm like, yeah, because people get it, you know. It's not only something that's really good for you to do, like, because you're actually doing something, right? Like, there's so much mental health problems and people so worried. And like, if you go do something tangible, right? Go fill the chicken coop and get some laying hens and start collecting eggs. And that's, you know, that's the beginning of food security. Uh, but also, it really is this larger movement of we, we've got to take care of this planet. And by you growing more of your own, you're offloading, you know, I just... 
think we're going to look back in history at this time and how we raised all those that livestock in these horrible, horrible, inhumane conditions. And, and it, you know, we'll think we were barbaric, you know? Well, and it became it became even more inhumane when the workers were exposed to all these different things with COVID. You know, all these plants were open, and it was just a mess. So I, I could see how um, your efforts to try and get us away from those packing plants, so to speak, into our own backyards uh, is a growing movement, literally. It, it is, yeah, it really is. And 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 I'm, you know, and I'm I'm uh, understanding that a lot of people are going. Through who are tremendous changes, but I'm also really appreciative because you know sometimes it just takes a good crisis to get people to to, to change behavior significantly and start to look at it. And, and quite frankly, the path we were on was completely unsustainable. Hey, it takes you know 10 calories of energy to create one calorie of food. That ain't going to go on forever, right? You know, food wasn't even nutritious. So um, how do you get through to the stubborn ones, though? You know, the ones that say, well have this health problem, but I don't know what to do with it. Like, we've got to reach those that, that are just, oh, I hate to say okay with being unhealthy, but that's how it feels sometimes. Well, I think, Alex, what's going to happen is they're they're going to come around to it just due, due to inflation, you know, so they, what do they print this year already? Like 1.9 billion. There's, depending on which bill you look at, so either the infrastructure bill is about 3 trillion, or they're, they're talking about even more trillions, right? They'll do it. You know, they're going to do it in the next few months. Well, all that money is leading, it's going to lead to inflation. There is no doubt at this point in time that, that, that we're talking about food inflation. You know, we talked about it earlier at the beginning of this interview with grain prices are already going up because there's worldwide demand and we've had some bad years of, of production. But also just the money printing. Like, um, it, so people are eventually going to start, those hard-headed ones, are probably going to start growing because out of necessity, if they want to eat, you're going to need to be growing some food pretty soon. Uh, Margie, sorry about that. Hang on. Uh, you know, you know about all of these infrastructure bills and everything going on. I, I am. It's awesome that you've done it for 11 years, but the technology part of it. Uh, when I think of farming, when I think of growing, I think of the tractors, and I think of the, you know, all those different field tools that we use. What technology have you been imparting to use to grow food in your backyard? And is there any technology involved over the last 11 years? Well, um, I uh, actually have always been a proponent of of using as little as possible. So, like for me, some of my... You mean actually rolling up your sleeves? What's that nowadays, right? Well, you know, really to grow like most of the vegetables you need, you only need about 100 square feet. Of, 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 you know, maybe two garden beds that are, you know, five feet wide by, by uh, you know, 20 feet long. I mean, it's really not that much that you really need in terms of space to grow a huge amount of vegetables. Uh, you know, a chicken coop, you can have that chicken coop and run in the size of a parking spot. And the same thing with a, rat, a, a rabbit tree, you know, place where, you know, it's really small and you don't need a lot of high-tech anything. Now, some people do. I have. We did an interview with this guy. Had this amazing high-tech chicken soup with automatic this and cameras and remote that and everything. It was kind of fun, but it's totally unnecessary. You know, <laughs> it was definitely interesting. Well, again, you know, your great grandparents and your ancestors all the way back through time grew food and produced food and hunted and gathered food 
and they didn't have electricity. They didn't have anything much more than maybe some knives or shovels or, you know, even the tools they had were pretty primitive for going on back to time. Like the home medicine, you know, your great-grandmother, she had a hearth with a fire, some bowls, and maybe some, some uh, uh, vases or, or jugs that she could put things in or small containers. But really, it was very, very simple and very primitive. And again, that's such a saving grace that these old ways uh, are so simple and still very, very effective. So I'm definitely a big fan of, of you know, not becoming reliant or dependent. I know it's real fun. I watch like they're developing robots that can do beating and things like that. But uh, I think the, the recent episode in Texas will demonstrate to you why you should really be focusing on how to do this without a whole lot of technology and infrastructure. Uh, you know, if I read the history books correctly, they used salt to keep it as a fridge, right? So that was kind of the the, the technology they had back then, and it sounds like you're sort of saying, yeah, that, that works. You know, that, 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 that does work, you know. Uh, the smokehouse, right? And salt the meat and keep it in the smokehouse. That's one way to do it. You know, what we have now is, is you know, some somewhat a little bit higher level technology, but canning, uh, pressure canning, also a great way, but then there's also the old-fashioned drying and no dehydrating. Um, definitely preserving food is, is an important part of skill in addition to being able to produce. But again, people have always been doing that, right? They dug root cellars or, you know, they, 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 they came up with ways to store food and they've been doing that for centuries before electricity came along. So all this is possible. Marjorie, let's let, you know, I forgot to, you know, not forgot, but I, I, I remember now that people are just joining this journey with me on this podcast and probably first time hearing you. So tell us a little about who you are and where you're from and, and why you want to start the Grow Network ultimately. Yeah, well, I was this, this was almost 20 years ago. I was volunteering on a farm-to-school project. Uh, the, the president of the, I was living in Texas, the Texas Organic Farm and Gardeners Association, TOSCA. The president happened to live in my county. His name is Steve Bridges, and he wanted to see local organic food into the school system. And I said, hey, Steve, you know, I'm a bit of a community activist. Let's, let's do it over here at this little elementary school near where I live called Redlock Elementary, the little rural elementary school. And, you know, we'll figure out all the processes and procedures and, 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 and then we'll, you know, let's do it there first as a trial run and then we'll roll it all out over the throughout Texas. And I, I, you know, she was excited. We had a whole group of volunteers, grant money, federal money. The teachers wanted it. Even the students wanted it. They had a little garden and they, they made a soup out of that once a year and they loved that soup. It was one of the highlights of the year. Everybody wanted it, and we just thought we had a slam dunk. We were gonna, we were gonna nail this. And I'll never forget it was a third meeting when the whole thing completely failed, and my life changed in that night. Uh, I, we were at the community center, you know, that kind of place with the echoey buildings and the crappy folding metal folding chairs, where you're not sure if it's really gonna support you, and the chips form like a table, and we're, we don't even notice any of that. We're so excited. We're getting this project together, and. And we start to put down pen to paper of who would be the farmers that would provide the food for this. And uh, between myself and Steve and everybody there, we knew pretty much everybody growing organically in Texas. And it dawned on us that there weren't enough local organic farmers in, in all of Bastrop County to provide even part of the vegetables. And then we realized it was not even in the surrounding three counties 
And I, I did, we just realized that there just wasn't enough, like, you know, that whole smart, the small farm movement, Willie Nelson used to have those concerts to say, well, it didn't work. The, the small farm network was completely destroyed. There, there just wasn't, and I know most of us, especially if people living in the city, they kind of had this idea that, you know, well, there's food going out in the countryside if something really bad happens, but there, there's no food going out in the countryside. And when I realized how bad it was, I, I couldn't stop shaking. I just couldn't. I remember trying to put the chairs under the table and they were shaking so bad because I, I was shaking and, and just, I don't know how the thing, everybody just went home and the project just died and I could not stop shaking that whole night because I knew there's only four days worth of inventory in grocery stores across America and there's a just-in-time trucking system. And we were outside of Austin with a million population next to Houston with four million, San Antonio with four million, and Dallas with three. What would happen? You know, what, you know, you know the, the, I just, I had panic attacks. And for the coming years, I, I, I just could sit. There was going to be some crises. And so I said, well, I'm going to learn how to grow food. And I'm going to teach other people how to grow food. And we're going to turn this thing around, and, and farmers come from gardeners, and we're going to start with that, and the gardening and chickens and rabbits. And and I will tell you, though, that learning how to grow food actually healed me on the physical level because of the greater nutrition and the physical activity and being outside and enjoying myself and relaxing. There's nothing calmer than being out working with mm. and being in the garden. But it also healed me you know, mentally and spiritually and emotionally, like I know that I will fundamentally be okay no matter what happens. And we've got millions and hundreds of millions of people now that are fundamentally questioning where their food comes from and there's this mental health crisis. And it's not because they're suddenly going crazy. It's because at their gut level, they know something is wrong and they know that they're dependent on a system that is breaking apart. So it really is the solution to so many, uh, so many problems, and you can do it. You, everybody in his, throughout history has been doing it. They figured it out. You know, it's it's not that hard. Well, what I love to hear is that there is hope for urbanites that are so used to the fast food world that we can change our ways too, and that's that's very helpful, Marjorie. It sure is. There's a lot you can do. There really is, and um, and and I mean, quite frankly, it's time to do it now. Right, so I know that more and more people are getting the, the you know injections or whatever, and that they're they're, they're talking about the, the pandemic. They're shifting away so much from the pandemic, but the consequences of the breakdown in the supply chain, and the consequences of global agricultural production being down, and the consequences of all these miscellaneous you know Texas grid down, Suez Canal blocked, you know this crazy thing burst on fire. You know, there's just the consequences of all these things happening mean we are going to be hitting some really, really hard times here and then printing money. Mm. Uh, we're in a really, this is not, there's no plan B. This is the time you need to start doing this right now. And even if it's just getting a couple of roads on a windowsill and starting to learn how to take care of a basic plant, you know, it's time to start getting some real skills now. So um, if anybody hears this, I hope you hear the urgency uh, the GROW Network has been built to help serve uh, during this crisis, which I think will unfortunately be much more extended than just a year or two. This is going to go on for a while. 
you know, we have a lot of free resources. We, we offer a lot. We, you know, a lot well, of you saying, where can people get the book and where can people find out about you? Is it just MarjorieWildcraft.com? Yeah, go to Marjorie. That's the best place. Go to MarjorieWildcraft.com. Pre-order the book. If you pre-order the book, we've got a bunch of bonuses for you. We also have a special webinar where it's with me answering questions and getting, being more personal and intimate with people. And the book will get you way, way ahead. It'll save you years of time. Mm. Uh, in, in getting your food production started. And there's a lot of great stories in there and fun and inspiration. And, um, yeah, so head over to MarjorieWildcraft.com. And the uh, spelling is M-A-R-J-O-R-Y Wildcraft.com. So, yeah. as always, thank you for joining me. I know it's our second time, but I just feel like we click, and I'd love to have you on sooner than, you know, nearly a year later, especially as the book's launching. So come back in May and... Let us know how things are going and let us know if there are any positives or if there's even more dire situations that really lends a call to action here. So we'd love to have you back. Well, thank you for having me on, Alex. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, and I, I really hope this message gets out there because the more people that, that actually start growing food, the less of a problem we're going to have. <laughs> so the more we all focus on it, the better, and the healthier everyone's going to be. So, yeah, thank you so much for letting me on. And I think it's a way to slow us down as we get sort of back to that pre-COVID, hey, you know, craziness. Maybe thinking about the way we grow will slow us down a little bit and, and keep us sort of sane, if you will, and healthy at the same time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It just solves so many problems. Well, I'm Alex Garrett. That was Marjorie Wildcraft of the Grow Network. And here at Alex Garrett Podcasting, we are always adapting.